0: Welcome to Cinematic the podcast where we analyse depictions of mental illness and disability in popular film and TV. Before we start, this podcast is not designed to be therapeutic, prescriptive or constitute a formal diagnosis for any listener. For a longer version of this disclaimer, please check the episode notes on your podcast app. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho,
1: ho to you, Steph.
0: What, you call me a ho?
1: <laughs> That's funny.
0: That's rude. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm sitting in the seat. Maz has kept warm for me.
0: <laughs> it is the holidays, which means, you know, we'll we'll, we'll welcome you back for old time's sake, Michael <laughs> Watson. Yes. How are, you, how are you today, Michael Watson, on mm. this uh, 19th of December?
1: I'm not too bad, thank you. Um, just feeling very Christmassy. Done some gift wrapping, done some shopping uh, on a busy week- weekend trip. To the shopping centre, very busy. Something I normally avoid, but I didn't this year.
0: <laughs> I spent all day yesterday shopping. I did some excellent shopping, Well I do done. need to say. I've
1: seen capitalists. We're capitalists, aren't we?
0: What can we say? We're in a capitalist society. What, what What? can you do? What can you do? Um. What are you watching at the moment, Michael? Is it the same as me, by any chance?
1: Well, I mean, let's open up the batting with... The Ashes <laughs> with, with Succession. Succession, Succession.
0: Oh, podcast finished. family. Finished. Michael loves cricket and I hate it. But moving on. Succession.
1: We finished Succession.
0: We did. Um, what did you think?
1: It wasn't my favourite season until the very end. It was just mm-hmm. like mm. a lot of um, threads from all three seasons kind of paid off.
0: Do you think that... Because we binged the first two, it was harder to enjoy this one for that reason. It felt less less fast paced and less punchy because we we're watching it in dribs and drows rather than one whole thing.
1: I mean you're talking about binged in in, in in a new parent sense of the word binge, which is max two episodes, plus or minus drifting off throughout. I don't think we've ever watched more than two episodes in a yeah, stint. We're not-
0: bingiest of couples are we? <laughs> we don't nah. watch a season in the night do nah. we
1: We're too t- too tired too fucking
0: tired for that shit yeah fair but you know but
1: I, it has been a very different experience watching it one episode a week
0: i've enjoyed it though i've enjoyed being like oh monday night succession night. yeah
1: yeah it's a bit mm. like um you know it reminds me of hey hey
0: reminds me of ali mcbeal
1: yeah hmm
0: um <laughs> two you, very different did shows like, Did you like season three? There there were ebbs and flows, there definitely were. It didn't have you know, it had different stuff in it. Which was a good thing. I did lose lose it a little bit during it. But um, the last episode, oh oh I felt that. Yeah. I felt that in my waters.
1: It was good, wasn't it? Mm. Mm.
0: Oh. The narcissism.
1: Mmm. Mm. Mm. Well. The
0: betrayal.
1: Foreshadowing a potential succession episode in our future. Are oh,
0: you... oh my goodness! Where do we start? We've already spoken about this with Maz, So sorry, you should have listened. Yeah, but I don't know how many episodes we should devote. But it's—I don't think it's going to be just one.
1: <laughs> what did you think of the cameos? Adrian Brody. Adrian Bro Bro. And who was the
0: other Peter one? Peter Scars Scars Scott Skarsgård. Skarsgård.
1: Steven, S- Steven Spielberg <laughs>
0: <laughs> I thought S- Skarsgård was very good he made me laugh what about Adrian I thought he's Adrian's a great actor but I didn't think it needed to be Adrian yeah I agree hmm.
1: nobody is talking about anything else other than the success- succession finale so um, let's just keep <laughs>
0: excuse me that is not true all right sex in the city
1: <laughs> yeah true Chris North is dead. Chris North
0: is cancelled. Both
1: fictionally, Mr. Big is dead, and, and culturally. Career, career-wise, <laughs> Dunzo's.
0: Um, but Fair and just like that, has been panned by most people I follow on Instagram slash.
1: Sh- how how could it be any other way?
0: Exactly, I don't know what we expected to be honest, and. Everyone who has said, oh, this is trash, has all said, I'm going to keep watching it, though. Yeah. And I am that person, too. Yeah, well,
1: fuck, Sex in the Shitty City is <laughs> sh- shit Oh, fruit shithouse. and slips. <laughs> it's shit house, but it's fucking amazing.
0: It's amazing shit.
1: Should we, we talk about what the people are here to hear? About?
0: Why don't we? Why don't we? Um, oh, before we move on, though, Shrink Next Door, we've been watching it. It's fine. Thank you. Yeah. Do you Thanks have for... any other opinion?
1: It's fine.
0: It's fine.
1: I love Paul Rudd and Will Ferrell and Catherine That's Hahn. They've got good chemistry.
0: Yeah. Uh, Catherine Hahn is. Mwah.
1: And I can interpret like 10% of what they say as slight nods to Anchorman quotes. <laughs> like when Catherine Hahn's like. When, he, when, when I say he'll read anything <laughs> on that teleprompter, I mean eh, ne.
0: I still don't find Will Ferrell that believable as a serious character. Some, nah. for some reason, I don't know. There's just something about it that doesn't quite hit it.
1: He doesn't connect. He doesn't. He doesn't he's commit. Too funny. As fully, he's funny. He's
0: hilarious. He
1: doesn't commit as fully to his dramatic roles as he does to his funny roles. That is true. You can see he's holding back.
0: I keep forgetting what's happening in it though because I I listened to the podcast it was based on. But anytime I lis- I watch a show that's based on a podcast, I. Like, I seem to just completely forget what has happened. So it's mm. all new to me. <laughs> like, I remember, like, standout bits, but... Yeah. Should we move on?
1: Yeah, we're really getting caught up on the, <laughs> on the chat. I'm just... Oh, we hardly you know talk what? anymore.
0: Uh, let us know, listeners. Um, some podcasts do timestamps on the the notes to say when to get to the, to the stuff, the relevant stuff, like, after the preamble. So we can do that. Nah, fuck yeah. Yeah, if you don't want to listen to our banter, then then you don't deserve us at our informative.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, no, we're not doing timestamps. So, and don't comment on anything. Get out of here. (laughs) I'm joking. Can you
0: please? I don't know if anyone likes our podcast. (laughs) In the spirit of Christmas. You know
1: I love you all.
0: In the spirit of Christmas, (laughs) let's do a fun, fun, fun Christmas movie, which I think we should do every year because... Uh, it's a nice way to end the year on. And Christmas movies are general, generally pretty shit, let's be honest.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, like... let's take a fun Christmas movie and spoil it with by over-analyzing over... it with a psychological
0: lens. Lens. And some merriment.
1: Yeah. With some rare renal disease thrown in the mix, too.
0: Very true. Which leads us to the name of this movie that we're doing, and it's... A Christmas Carol, but, but it's the Muppets Christmas Carol. Yay! Because the movie A Christmas Carol less fun.
1: It's one of those stories that is just like in my brain complete.
0: Did you ever but, read the novel?
1: No. Nah, no. Nah. Novella.
0: Ooh. I don't have time for novellas. Wait, what's the difference between a novel and a novella?
1: A novella is like halfway between a short story and a novel.
0: What do you mean you don't have time for one then? Because it's shorter than. I'm a, novel. a short
1: story man. Are you? I'm a haiku man. <laughs> I'm busy.
0: You read a novel every night before bed.
1: Um, but this is just like part of the fabric of Western culture, isn't it? This story, like, it's been done so many times. I don't think I've seen a movie besides the Muppet version. Um, I don't. I'm sure think I've, I've, seen, I've seen, seen like
0: a cartoon version of
1: it. Yeah, like The Simpsons. Have oh, done yeah. It. I assume? I'm not even sure. I assume they have. Oh,
0: of course they bloody have. Yeah. They've done everything. Yeah. It's like the fabric of Christmas. It is.
1: Well, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Tell yeah. us more. Um. Okay, well.
1: It, like, invented Christmas, as we it know literally
0: it. literally did. Like, well, the original novel, um, a Christmas Novella. carol. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> a Christmas carol by Charles Dickens, or as Matilda calls him, Dahl's Chickens. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, we're going to do Matelda one day. He wrote it in 1843.
1: Wow, it's so old. This is our oldest text.
0: This is our oldest. My goodness.
1: Oh, wait. Where, Rain Man was probably just before. <laughs>
0: <laughs> As you can see from the fashion at the time. Um, but the movie we're doing, A Muppet Christmas Carol, is from 1992. And it was directed by Brian Henson, which was his directorial Jim? debut. Jim's son? Yes, Jim's son. Jim's, Jim's son. Jim had
1: just died or something, hadn't Jim he? Jim
0: Henson had Died recently. Um, terrible loss. Terrible loss. Uh, the screenplay was by Jerry Jewell. Everyone knows that. Everyone knows that. But going back to the novel, no, no, no. Uh, oh, Ronald Hutton, who is a historian. I think we probably referenced him quite a bit today, uh, says that the current state of the observance of Christmas is largely the result of a mid-Victorian revival of the holiday, which was spearheaded by a Christmas carol. Oh, my goodness. So, you know, having a big turkey or goose and the trimming of the tree and having the celebrations together as a family was very much... And that sort of family-centred, generosity-centred thing was very much driven by A Christmas Carol.
1: It's like, where did he get this idea from? Like, where did Charles... If that didn't exist already, what, what, what prompted Dickens to go out and do this?
0: Well, I don't know what he sort of felt about Christmas per se. And look, there's so much, so much text written Rhames, about it. Yeah. Charles Dickens, I don't have the fucking time, I've got a toddler. <laughs> yeah. And also a semi-full-time job. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just funny. It's like, um, he's just like, he's like Kanye of the 1840s. He literally he is. He just invented. Literally is. You know. It's
0: at the top of his he, dome. He's like
1: a replic priest.
0: Did he get head from the nuns, though? <laughs> um, but he was religious, he was Christian, but he didn't love catholicism. He um, wasn't he wasn't a big fan of organized religion, so I wonder and you know, historians listening to the podcast and I know you're out there might correct me, but I wonder if he wanted to write a story making um Christmas less about Jesus and mm-hmm. and religion and more about people. People and giving and in line with what he what his values were at the time because yeah. the key themes of the story is very much the treatment of the poor and improving society's treatment of the poor and the ability of a selfish man to redeem himself by transforming into a more sympathetic character. So I think that's what he wanted to put in place and Christmas was a good sort of conduit to do that.
1: I mean, I can definitely see where you're coming from because if he wanted to do something more Christian-y, like Christmas is the birth of
0: Jesus, Jesus
1: Christ and shit. So like, and there's nary a mention of old Yesu. In the no. piece, except for a few bits and pieces,
0: like God bless us, everyone. Yeah. Like yeah. it's there,
1: but it's not like it's yeah. not
0: in your face. It's I, really not a plot point.
1: Yeah, I agree with your reading of it.
0: Do you? Yeah. Well, thank you. Proceed. Shall I talk us through the plot?
1: Please do. As everyone knows the story.
0: Everyone knows the plot story of Christmas Carol. If you don't, Google it.
1: All right. That's the, the end.
0: Plot. <laughs> But let me take you through the plot of Muppets Christmas Carol. Yeah. So Charles Dickens is played by the great Gonzo. And Rizzo is there just to hang out with Gonzo as Charles Dickens. Um, and they like narrate the film. Ebenezer Scrooge is played by Michael Caine. Shall we do it? Go on.
1: I can't do it. Though.
0: <laughs> she, was, she was just, she I was, she was only 16 years old.
1: Mr. Mr. Wayne.
0: Mr. Wayne. He was a cold-hearted, bad-tempered, and selfish <laughs> moneylender. All
1: right, that's enough. Cease. Cease. You have to do the rest as Kermit.
0: And he bloody hates Christmas. I'm not doing <laughs> What the fuck? Oh. I'm not doing it as Kermit. Okay, right. Okay. All right, Seriously. so... So, okay. So Scrooge is a hard-working, horrible man. Um, hates Christmas. He rejects his nephew Fred's invitation to Christmas dinner... And dismisses two gentlemen played by, and I didn't watch the Muppets much as a kid because I, I don't know, I wasn't right at the right age, I don't know. But um, the two gentlemen are played by Dr. Bunsen, Honeydew, and Beaker. I remember Beaker.
1: You don't remember but the, one, the creepy green oh, with guy no, without eyes. Without, with
0: no eyes, yeah, 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 yeah. What were
1: they thinking? Terrifying.
0: So, yeah, these two gentlemen are collecting money for charity and he throws a wreath at the carol singing Bean Bunny. His loyal employee, Bob Cratchit, who's played by Kermit the Frog, and other book- bookkeepers request to take Christmas day off, but of course Scrooge says, "No!" But since there'll be no business for him, he reluctantly agrees. Scrooge leaves for home, the bookkeepers celebrate Christmas, and then in his house, Scrooge encounters the ghosts of his late business partners, Jacob and Robert Marley, which are played by Statler and Waldorf. <laughs> And they inform him that he's gonna have three spirits to visit him during the night and he's gotta be a better man or they will he will end up in the afterlife as they are. covered in chains. So then Scrooge is visited by the ghost of Christmas past, which is kind it's of
1: the scariest one. The scariest, but far. like
0: in a cool way. Like she's pretty like for it's like in an A twenty
1: four type way.
0: Or just like It
1: could be. You know, it reminds me of
0: like Labyrinth. Yeah. Which I mean, I mean it's done by Frank Oz. Jim, Jim Hansen, yeah you know, just kind of cool no, effects. I'm, I'm with you. Uh, so the ghost of Christmas past takes him back in time to his childhood and his early life. And of course, throughout all this, Charles Dickens and Rizzo, um, are just narrating the whole thing and being funny. And some of the jokes are kind of funny, but a lot of them are dumb. Um, they visit his school days and then his time as an employee under Fozzie Week, which is played by Fozzie Bear. And then Scrooge meets a young woman named Belle, who he falls in love with, but Belle left after he chose money over getting married to her. And then at two o'clock, Scrooge meets the gigantic ghost of Christmas present, who shows him the joys and wonder of Christmas Day and... All the people that are celebrating Christmas, including his nephew, Fred, where Scrooge is being made fun of the whole time. And then he visits Bob Cratchit's house in an iconic part of the story. And Miss Picky plays Bob Cratchit's wife. Um, He also meets Tiny Tim, who's Bob's ill son, played by Robin the Frog. I don't remember Robin the Frog, do you?
1: Nah, just a little frog guy.
0: And then the Ghost of Christmas Present tells... Scrooge, that Tiny Tim's probably going to die before next Christmas.
1: And that sucks.
0: Scrooge is very sad about that.
1: Mm. And then the ghost of Christmas present dies. I don't remember that. Yeah, he dies.
0: How did I miss that?
1: Well, they all die. It's like the present, you know, it dies because it ends.
0: Oh. The ghost of Christmas yet to come then approaches Scrooge, which is a tall, silent, cloaked figure. And that was the scariest one for me when I was little. Because it looks basically like, you know, Terry Pratchett's death. Yeah. The it is quite
1: It is quite creepy.
0: Yeah, for a kid's film. Totally. It's fucking creepy. It doesn't
1: talk. Yeah, spooky.
0: So, you know, the whole time C- Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come is there, Scrooge is like, oh, someone's died. Who is it? Who is it? Who is it? It's like, obviously it's you. Hello. <laughs> but they witness a group of businessmen discussing the death of someone unnamed saying that, oh, Who's going to even go to his funeral? Oh, wait, is there lunch? uh uh-huh, I'll go. And then people stealing possessions from the, the deceased. He obviously f- eventually finds out that that's him. And then he goes to Bob Cratchit's house and finds out that Tiny Tim has died. And then the ghost of Christmas yet to come goes to Scrooge's gravestone, at which point <laughs> Scrooge is so sad and he will change his ways and he promises to be better. And then he wakes up in his bedroom on Christmas Day and realizes that it was all a dream decides to surprise well, he
1: d- that's not clear. But anyway, he does wake up. Well, he turns over a new leaf based on his experience. Yes,
0: that's true. Sorry. It's not exactly explicit, but he decides to get I think Bean Bunny to go and buy a massive goose and then deliver it to Bob Cratchit's house for, for money. But like it's only a small bunny. He's got this big goose. Anyway, <laughs> And he just wanders around the neighbourhood of London excited and happy about Christmas and then goes to Bob Cratchit's house and gives him the goose and says he's going to raise Bob's salary and pay off his mortgage. And then Charles Dickens narrates that Scrooge became a second father to Tiny Tim, who who did not die. And then they all celebrate Christmas. The end.
1: The end.
0: You know what, Michael? What? I remember loving the movie as a kid, but... It was kind of boring.
1: It's uh, it's not a great film. <laughs> it's not a great film, and
0: you regret everything.
1: <laughs> I just the Muppets are more I, the Muppets to me are just super silly fun. This it isn't, wasn't it's silly not fun. Very fun. No, there's not many jokes, and and doing research for it, like most of the dialogue, you know, except for the really straight up like um, Rizzo and Gonzo stuff, mm. is kind of taken straight. Literally, straight
0: out of the book, which like, I like life about life. it. Re- like,
1: rewrite it a bit, guys. Make it a Muppety fucking thing.
0: But I think Muppets were super big at that time. I think that there's value in doing that to sort of educate a younger audience. This is, you know, Charles Dickens prose. This is Victorian writing at the time. Like, yeah. And, you know, what does it mean to... <laughs> I can't think of a piece of dialogue to no, reference. No, no, no. But, you know, teaching kids that this, this is... What this means, just like when you do English and you do a Shakespeare play and go, What does all these words mean? Yeah. So I think there's value in that, but True. I don't yeah. think if it was this was released today that anyone would like it. At all. Yeah,
1: no. I think part of the reason that it's a bit shit is that Michael Caine was quoted as saying that when he played the role of Scrooge, he was gonna play it like he was doing a Royal Shakespeare Company show. Yeah. I read and he that was quote. never gonna act like he was with Muppets or make any jokes. And that's 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 where that's entirely the reason why it's not a very good movie, I think. Because he's playing it really seriously. It's like, dude, that you're surrounded by you're little like, two foot tall frogs of, and shit. I think that
0: kinda of works. Can I read out the quote that he said there? Oh, yeah. I'm going to play this movie <laughs> like I'm working with the Royal Shakespeare Company. I will never wink. I will never do anything muppety. I am going to play Scrooge as if it is an utterly dramatic role and there are no puppets around me.
1: I think that that was a (laughs) totally... He took it a little too seriously. He should have taken it to, like, a caricature-ish, like a Mr Burns or something.
0: You know what, though? This was the first thing I saw Michael Caine in, and so, of course, (laughs) I thought Michael Caine was a very mean man. (laughs) But on that note, we should probably talk about lived experience because I have a lot of Michael Caine facts for yeah. you.
1: Yeah, teach us about Michael Caine.
0: So let me just take you through Michael Caine's life in terms of like his lived experience with anything mental health or disability related. I didn't find a huge amount. He did say that he experienced a situation where he thought he was going to die and the memory stayed with him and formed his character. And he said that in an autobiography... The rest of my life I've lived every bloody moment from the moment I wake up until the time I go to sleep. Um,
1: How old was he when he thought he was going to die?
0: I don't know. I didn't only find that out. Years. He was only 16 years old. Um, so, um, also, this has come up a few times. Like, Jane Austen had this situation too, which I didn't explain. But sometime after Michael Caine's mother died... He and his younger brother, Stanley, learned that they had an elder half-brother named David. David. He suffered from severe epilepsy in Hannah and had been kept in a mental hospital his entire life. Wow. And even though their mother regularly visited this son in the hospital, even her husband did not even know the child existed. And David died in 1992.
1: The year the movie came out. The
0: year the movie came out.
1: Coincidence?
0: I think not.
1: Um, that's really fucked up.
0: Yeah, super fucked up. And like that happened to Jane Austen. Like she had a, a sibling that was in a mentalist institution. I think she was, um, had an intellectual disability, and they just kept her in there, and she never met her. But that was in the eighteen hundreds. This is in the nineteen
1: hundreds.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, it's so weird. Terrible. Um, Michael Caine is a self described left wing Tory. He voted for Brexit and said he'd rather be a poor master than a rich servant.
1: is the Brexit thing meant to signify a history of mental illness or
0: no, I'm just telling you some facts, <laughs> but maybe <laughs> and oh, this is an interesting thing um. In a classic FM interview in 2010, um, Michael Caine admitted that he had convinced a physician to deliberately give his father a fatal overdose when he was dying from liver cancer in 1955 and endorsed voluntary euthanasia.
1: He's had a storied life.
0: He's had a storied life. And this is just an extra little thing for you. Um, Caine is a fan of chill out music and released a compilation CD called Caned. (laughs) In 2007. What the... What? (laughs) (laughs) This doesn't... And that's the end of my Michael Caine corner. (laughs) Okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) right. what about... Oh, what about the Muppets? Are there any... Oh, look, I'm not going
0: to... I'm not going to talk about any lived experience of the Muppets. Because they're fictional.
1: Well, did, um... Did Robin the Frog need that crutch?
0: Could Robin the Frog have been played by a puppet with an actual disability?
1: Well, you know what? We're here to ask those questions. We're here to ask those
0: questions. I didn't find anything on Brian Henson or Jerry Jewell, apart from that Jerry Jewell lived in Casper, California. (laughs) (laughs) That's our son's name, everyone. Very good. But yes, Brian, Brian Henson... Yeah, no, nothing about Brian Henson, but I do. I did find out that he married the costume designer of Labyrinth, but they did split up. He played the voice of Hoggle in Labyrinth and Pumpkinhead in Return to Oz.
1: Oh, Hoggle, as in the little Hoggle. Ah, yeah. Mm Don't (laughs) go (laughs) down (laughs) that (laughs) way. No, can't do it. (laughs) That's pretty good.
0: Did you watch Return Uh, to Oz? I haven't seen Return to Oz. Oh, we've got to watch Return to Oz and then cover it. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> is it?
1: From a mental illness? Yes. Or is it just... Is she it... gets
0: electroshock therapy.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Oh, interesting.
0: Seriously. Sure. Because they think... Oh, so after she's gone to Oz... And end, they think she's... They, they're like, she's mentally ill, so oh, we need to treat her. She okay. won't shut up about all these characters. <laughs> and then she goes back to Oz. Like, she escapes this asylum and goes back to Oz. Oh, okay. It's brutal. Yeah, sure.
1: I'm keen.
0: <laughs> oh, you're going to have nightmares for weeks. <laughs>
1: All right, and now will we talk about...
0: Dall's Chickens?
1: Yeah. So think... <laughs> I'm going
0: to keep saying that. Do you want to share anything about that you know about Charles Dickens, or shall I get into it?
1: Oh, look, I have, like, priggish med student knowledge about Charles Dickens that, like... Tell me he... it. Oh, just, like, ooh, he, you know, wasn't a doctor, but he di- he came up with diagnoses for all these conditions, like Pickwick syndrome and yeah stuff like that.
0: I did read a little bit about that, but I didn't include that in this because we'll be talking for bloody hours. But Mm. isn't that interesting?
1: Mm. Well, I think he was just a keen observer of people and it sounds like he knew a lot of people who were unwell and and came across a lot of people and he just just wrote them down.
0: It just seems like also 1800s London was just a fucked place to live. Um,
1: yeah, I mean it's I do think about, you know, people dying when they're 30 of scurvy and yeah. everybody. And just you know, soot, with all, yeah, soot. Just from being miasmas, dirty. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean we'll talk about this later, but apparently 60% of children had rickets and 50% had TB.
0: Like that's so fucked. Like if that was happening today, no one would be like anti
1: vaxxers or
0: anything, you know? <laughs> oh my god.
1: I mean, you know, people were anti the
0: oh, cowpox vaccine were back then when too. it first came out. Um, yeah, how fucked up! Uh, it was just like a horrible place to live, and kids mm. would kids were like made to work. Well, this was like
1: industrial revolution time, right? And yeah. they needed small kids to fit into small, small places, life threatening places, That's little just... coal chimneys and furnaces and shit
0: and it's really interesting like it was over 150 years ago but it still wasn't that long ago where kids just had absolutely no rights just were like they were abused every day and that was yeah. normal um and did
1: this happen to dials chickens?
0: yes it did so i read that he was born in 1812 and he died in 1870 so not a super long life as was the fashion at the time <laughs> And he had a fucking rough childhood, as was the fashion at the time. So he, his dad was sent to prison for debt. So back then, if you were in debt, you got sent to prison. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God that doesn't happen these days, I tell you what.
1: I'm pretty um, sure it does.
0: No, no, like he just, you know, had a lot of debt. Like, not that yeah, he right. couldn't pay. Like, he just, yeah, you anyway, put too much but... debt, let's send you to prison. Uh-huh. So, when that happened, he had to go and work at 12 in really harsh conditions. 12 years old. Yeah, 12 years old. Mm. And his experiences with that and the people he met drew a lot of inspiration. He was also forced to leave school. The place that he worked was a shoe-blacking factory. I guess they just made shoes black. (laughs) (laughs) I think they
1: just made black shoes out of black cows.
0: Fair. His biographer, Michael Slater, described that he had a deep personal and social outrage which re- which heavily influenced his writing. Um but it's interesting he was quite ashamed of his childhood ex- experiences even though like probably most people would have had the same and he didn't really reveal them until after, you know, he sort of died was it wasn't revealed that that's what he experienced? Okay. But yeah, as a result of all of that, he he had quite solid views on the social uh, stratification and poverty of Victorian society, and felt that how rich you are doesn't mean you're necessarily a better person, etc. And was very interested in class oppression and social justice, and you know was very anti workhouses and pro sanitation. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think while those those kind of experiences were very relevant to writing this book as well as other books, you know, like Great Expectations and. I haven't really read a lot of them, but all, (laughs)
1: any of them. I started reading Bleak House and I gave up on it after a few pages Mm. because I'm a bloody millennial.
0: You bloody millennial! But in that book as well, I remember reading that there's a character who has like sort of dyslexia. Yeah. That he sort of identifies before dyslexia was a a commonly, um, spoken of diagnosis. Mm, mm. So I think he wasn't necessarily. Um, open about his own sort of mental health lived experience, but definitely his just general life and the people that he met that inspired these kind of presentations.
1: Yeah, so his life turned him into a social justice warrior.
0: Yeah, I guess so.
1: But I did find something. Tell me more. Um, He did have some health issues. Oh, yeah? Um, I mean, quite possibly mental health, but that's not said stated anywhere that I came across. Um, But apparently, it seems that he had migraines, gout, asthma, renal tuberculosis, oh. and ischemic heart disease, which is just like heart attacks, pretty much. Oh, shit. Um, so he had a bit of a rough tro- health, health-wise. I'm yeah. not sure how he died, actually. I should have looked that up. But I, I mean, think any, I feel any like it one was, of those things. It was much
0: either particular. a stroke or a heart attack, I'm Yeah. be sure.
1: Well, that, yeah. yeah. Um, and he, in terms of lived experience, he had a nephew... Who died of TB when he was nine.
0: TB being tuberculosis. Oh, sorry. Of audience. Yeah,
1: TB is tuberculosis. And I'm just going to, you know, tuberculosis in brackets TB. Yeah. That's fair. it.
0: That's it. Um, so his um, nephew who, uh, died he, of TB.
1: His nephew died of TB. He may have based Tiny Tim on his nephew because he was a sickly kid. That's
0: a fair speculation, I would say. Yeah, interesting. I don't think there's anyone th- else we really need to do who's lived experienced about personally. Not really. Nah. Let's move on to accuracy. Yeah,
1: accuracy, which I think is really just, like, our diagnostic dilemma. Like, what does everybody have?
0: And I would like to focus on the two characters of Scrooge and Tiny Tim.
1: Yeah. Um, Where do you want to start? Well, up to you. you. Who do you want to start with?
0: Well, I guess it's about Scrooge, so I feel like we should talk about Scrooge first.
1: Cool. I have thoughts. Personally. I have thoughts.
0: You have thoughts.
1: Well, like... There's there's a ton of research on this, both yes. medical and more... Pop culture Yeah.
0: Mm. Oh my God, I found so many articles about Scrooge. Yeah,
1: totally. Well, I kind of did it cold, just from my notes of his presentation and came up with some ideas, and then I've kind of refined it so I don't look so dumb, based on the experts.
0: Michael, you are prepping yourself to become a psychiatrist as we speak.
1: <laughs> That's right. But I think that this is a good quote from the New York Times that kind of will get the ball rolling for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is kind of this author's go at like doing a, a case history of Scrooge. Okay. But not a not a plot synopsis, but a more medical one. Mm-hmm. Would you like to hear it?
0: No. The end of podcast. <laughs>
1: yes. Would podcast. you all like to hear it?
0: Yes, we would, Michael. <laughs>
1: Oh, you scallywags. It's
0: Christmas! (laughs) Tell us! Oh, please! An
1: elderly man, wouldn't say elderly, with no... What would you say? Um, an 80-year-old male.
0: Fair enough, yep.
1: An elderly man with no known medical problems has a sudden change in mental status characterised by confusion and vivid hallucinations involving friends and relatives, which leaves him in a state of trembling mania and uncharacteristic euphoria. What caused these extraordinary symptoms, a doctor might ask? Could some pathological process have accounted for Scrooge's remarkable experience?
0: I read this article too. Yeah, it's a good read. <laughs> it really breaks it down like you would as a psychiatrist. It's very Yeah,
1: good. well, I mean, actually their their whole thing is more a medical cause. Yeah. Um So I guess like my thinking when it comes to um, a change in personality, change in orientation, just, yeah, mental status, I guess you'd say. Um, the fact that it's sudden suggests possibly a medical thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in in the book slash the movie, he's like, oh, I just had some bad food and I had yeah. a case of food poisoning, which is causing these yeah. very vivid hallucinations, which I'm pretty sure it would be Pretty serious food poisoning, but anyway. Well,
1: I mean, one of one of my, in my opinion, one of my my favorite diagnoses would just be a delirium. Yeah. <laughs> so delirium is just like a fluctuating change in orientation, mm-hmm. consciousness, mm-hmm. mental state, mm-hmm. um, and there's lots and lots of symptoms, um, but. Um, the main things that he kind of shows would be the fact that it's fluctuating. He's normal during that day. And then like, he sees the doorknob change into a talking face and then Mm -hmm. things kind of go downhill that night.
0: A muppety talking face. Yeah.
1: Um, he's not sure what day it is when he comes out of it. Mm. Like what day is it? Bloody tiny boy. God's Christmas. Um, he hallucinates mm-hmm. potentially. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a classic thing about in our podcast of are the hallucinations actually happening or are they hallucinations?
0: We don't know. We don't know. No because way we hard. are the viewer.
1: He's restless. Mm. Like he's sort of agitated in the morning. Reversal of sleep, wake cycle, possibly. Mm. He's awake during the night, but mm. we don't see him. We don't see him for long enough to really have a gauge on that. Anyway, um, and delirium is pr- probably most commonly caused by infection. Mm -hmm. Um, so UTI, Mm. piss mad.
0: Common in 80 year olds (laughs) and Logan Roy. Could be piss mad. Could be piss mad.
1: (laughs) Um, and like you said, it could have been bad food, which he tries to argue himself to one of the ghosts.
0: To be fair though, he was eating cheese and bread. So
1: that's true. But, um, according to this article, there's a thing called ergotism, which is a type of mold that can cause hallucinations
0: but moldy it typically cheese.
1: typically happens. It's a rye a rye grain.
0: Ah, <laughs> p- moldy mold. bread.
1: <laughs> moldy bread. Yeah, but it would probably more likely cause an epidemic as opposed to an individual case. But maybe they're right. all crazy because they're all not crazy, but they're all affected maybe by this ergotism because they all go along with this prick that they hate. Like yeah, well, buy every, buy everyone a turkey. Oh, Scrooge said so. All right, Scrooge, <laughs> this is all reasonable
0: and fine and good. Yeah, they've
1: all got ergotism. <laughs> Um, uh, uh, alternatively, I I think, I I think you can make a pretty strong case for just a flat out delirium. Um, other sudden changes could be, um, like a stroke maybe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but I did read a neurologist somewhere sort of argued that if you had a stroke that was sufficient to cause hallucinations, you'd also have pretty significant.
0: Like neurological
1: like problems. mode, like yeah. you know, move you you would have weakness. You wouldn't be able to move properly. That sort of thing. Yeah. Um. So unlikely. Dementia, maybe mm-hmm. personality change is big in dementia and mm-hmm. hallucinations in Lewy body dementia. Yeah. Um. And also in the original book, he's in the novella. Sorry, excuse me, please. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Get
0: it right, Michael.
1: He's described, and, and this comes through in Kane's performance. He's described as having like. He's very rigid Mm -hmm. and he's very, um, very well, in medicine, in in Parkinson's, we say masked faces, which just means very expressionless. Yes. Um, And he's like that in the movie and and in the book as well. So he could have some sort of Parkinson's dementia, Lewy body dementia with hallucinations. Um, And in medicine, you can blame anything on medications or drugs. So, would he be
0: on any medications or drugs at that time? There
1: weren't medications, <laughs> really. <laughs> there was there was like opium, <laughs>
0: and um, hors- horse radish, uh, <laughs> yeah. nightshades, yeah, and and some vitamin D. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, probably <laughs> there wasn't any vitamin they D
0: then, wet. though, were there? Because <laughs> it was smog all over the town. Yeah,
1: but like. Are you right? If I talk about this from a psychiatric point of view, too. Well,
0: now we've talked. About, yes, of, of course. So I was Th- just going to say podcast. that's, that's the all point. the medical explanation. So yeah. if there was a if there was more of a physiological explanation for his symptoms, yeah, rather than a more mental mm. psychiatric explanation. Yeah. So let's talk about your psychiatric wonderings.
1: Yeah. Well, I think in terms of looking at the actual film and getting actual evidence. And getting actual evidence from, like, you know, looking at the patient, theoretically.
0: If you were, if he was in the room. Yeah. In the triage. Yeah.
1: I think that the strongest case could probably be made just for straight up depression.
0: Oh, okay. Because he's a cranky old bastard. He looks depressed. He's very lonely.
1: Yeah. You can assume that he's got low mood and assume that he doesn't take much pleasure in anything. Yeah. So that's he fair. hits one, at least one of those main criteria in the DSM for depression.
0: But does, was he ever enjoying his activities though?
1: Yeah, that's true. Because
0: that's less of a depress, depressive episode and more of a personality
1: like disorder. A, yeah, uh, that's, that's true. And there's, de- de- de-
0: let's get to that, shall we? Well, <laughs> not yet, but yes.
1: In terms of other criteria, I really, he's very, very slow. He moves very slowly. Mm-hmm. And in the DSM, there's a, a tick box for, they call it psychomotor retardation mm-hmm. or agitation. In this yeah. case, it would be retardation.
0: That's a, very cl- that's a medical term, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, meaning
1: slowness. Yeah.
0: Um, could that just be Mark- Michael Caine? He's just a slow walker?
1: I mean, potentially, <laughs> but don't you think? Don't you think in the movie when you think about him, he is really—he yeah. moves really slowly. He sort of thinks and talks really slowly.
0: That's true. Yeah.
1: Um, He's
0: also like eighty, so.
1: Right, you're very ageist. Has anybody ever told you you're very ageist? No. You some ageist comments no, I'm throughout saying, this like, entire. Give him move. a break.
0: He's 80s Bones are probably a bit slower than they used to be because they're they're getting a bit sore and achy. not leave him the fuck alone.
1: And I would justice argue... for Scrooge. <laughs> And, you know, visits from ghosts, maybe it's a psychotic depression. Maybe it's another mm. type of psychosis, but I don't think there's enough to go on there. Well, it
0: seems to be just one very ex- very specific experience of psychosis. Like a brief
1: psychotic... A very
0: um, brief psychotic episode. Yeah, begins... which is in the DSM. Yeah, that's true. That's true.
1: Alternatively, it could be a mania mm-hmm. with psychosis. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fair. But... In the DSM, it has to be a week or so, or five days, or four days, or something. There's a time criteria for Mania. It needs to be a certain amount of time. Yeah. And we've only seen him for, like, 12 hours, really. So we can't really make that call, but... We
0: can assume, though, this is his first experience of Mania.
1: Well, as far as we know, nobody's Based on what Charles otherwise. has written. Yeah. But, you know, increased talkativeness, racing thoughts... Increased goal-directed activity, spending money freely. unrestrained, <laughs> buying spree. Yeah, so it could fit mm, potentially, mm. Um, but we need a longitudinal assessment of Scrooge.
0: Also, like an unrestrained buying spree for a man who literally owns most of the town, and
1: well, it's not probably risky not risky yeah, buying. It's not, risky it's not like he's bankrupt. He's just like, so no, far. Just he's just this... bought a turkey or whatever. Yeah,
0: like. he's just distributing the wealth a little tiny bit. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um and then another diagnosis which doesn't explain the ghosts mm. but may explain his character.
0: No that's that's kind of where I saw the movie when I watched it and you know read it is his character before the ghosts. So See, I'm
1: interested now, I, in this I love the go- I'm into the ghosts like why are the go- where did the ghosts come from? Mm. Anyway, but Christmas I, I think <laughs> yeah
0: just came from Christmas.
1: I think yeah, um obsessive compulsive personality disorder. 100%. Yeah. Hundred percent. He um he has and this is from an article by Judith Duffy, I can't remember where. Thanks, um Judy. he has this long standing fixed pattern of behaviour outside the spectrum of quote unquote normal and had that had negative consequences for him and others. Not least of all being his ex fiancee and his employer employees. And his family. And his Yeah. Um but besides that in terms of DSM criteria, so it's a bit DSM y, but I think We talk about the DSM all the time. Yeah. I guess the main things would be, I mean, the DSM itself says a miserly approach to spending. Um, (laughs) See money as something to be saved for future disasters. I don't know.
0: That's so him though. He
1: just clings to money to the detriment of his relationships. Yeah.
0: And even obscenely rich, but he Mm. still doesn't put, Heat in his office. And yeah, and he suffers. Has a very Everybody basic suffers dinner. from that, including
1: himself. Yeah. His,
0: you know, he doesn't spend any money on himself.
1: Yeah. yeah. Another criterion is excessive devotion to work and productivity, not due to financial necessity, resulting in neglect of leisure activities and friends. Mm-hmm. And that's just That's bloody Scrooge. Mm hmm. Um, and just quickly, I think you could safely argue that he has a preoccupation with details, rules, schedules, organisation and lists. Mm-hmm. Sounds a bit like me.
0: Well, you have said that you kinda <laughs> meet this criteria. If I, if in I, I house. had to
1: diagnose myself with a personality disorder, it would be It would be swipe. this one. Excessive conscientiousness, which not so much, but fastidiousness and inflexibility regarding ethical and moral issues and values. Yeah. And but like his morals are arguably Right-wing. bad. Yeah. But he is very into them very committed
0: (laughs) like you know a boy on the street you won't throw like a penny to him because of his values on the poor should be locked up in institutions yeah like that's pretty fastidious
1: yeah and rigidity and stubbornness which Mm -hmm. i think is kind of covered by there but anyway that's i i I, i'd be pretty confident that he at least meets those criteria and, and and it has caused sufficient impairment to warrant Yeah, well, he has no friends. The diagnosis and and treatment, yeah. And
0: even ghosts are like, you're a fuckhead. (laughs) Yeah.
1: What do you reckon?
0: I, like, when I first (laughs) thought about Scrooge before doing this and then watched it, I was like, oh, he's just a narcissist because it's very popular to, to talk about narcissism these days and I'm it's glad where you just, my brain I'm always you goes. See <laughs> <laughs> so my brain just immediately goes that. And just that, you know, he doesn't care about anyone else but himself. He has an inflated sense of ego. He's fixated on power. And you know, in the movie, in the book, they say, you know, power gives him control. Mm. Um, he's also quite manipulative and, you know, he's downright abusive to, you know, his employees and everyone mm. around him, and he's and he gaslights them too, like, when whenever anyone asks for anything, like, Bob is like, well, aren't you just fucking lucky you got a fucking job? Yeah. Yeah. And he, like, you know, blames Belle for betraying her. But, like, why would she stay if he was never going to marry her? And, like, these days it's like, who gives a fuck? But back then, you know, you're she married. She not get off the pot. Exactly. You're married or you're you're a poor woman sort of thing back then. Mm. So, he, you know, he was very selfish. When they, you know, when she leaves him, that seems to be, like, his sort of, his ultimate demise into this miserly character. Which is mm. very, like, incel-y. Like, yeah. very, like, women ruined me, so fuck it all women. Sort of yeah. Thing. Even though it was his fault.
1: Yeah.
0: Because um, he wouldn't commit to her and he was just focused on getting money. And it's also that very, like, grandiose attitude. Like, everyone is shit except me.
1: Yeah. Like,
0: everyone who's poor should just be locked up and I'm just going to be the richest person in the world and I deserve all that. Like, it's mm. very grandiose thinking.
1: Mm. So
0: I think there's, there's merit to the narcissism. However, there's also a background of trauma and attachment.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, prejudicial um, upbringing.
0: Prejudicial plus, upbringing. Plus, plus, plus. And he, you know, his family weren't there every Christmas, as you saw in Muppets Christmas Carol. I think his he says shows up.
1: I always saw Christmas as a time of solitude.
0: A time of solitude to get get back to my studies and yeah. learn because mm. no one would fucking come and spend Christmas with him. <laughs> Which is devastatingly sad. Yeah. Um and it makes sense that he focused on money because it was something he had mm. and it was a thing he could control. Yeah. And he had you know, it was logical and he could do stuff to make it happen and it you know, didn't betray him. But also he you know, that O C D tendency is that he could never be satisfied until he controlled pretty much everything because he was out of control of what happened to him as a child. And also from from what I've read, a little bit like he's a bit of a hoarder, okay. which is an OCD trait in you the know. book. Yeah, and and also in the movie, like he just stores everything away, doesn't give anything away, doesn't even spend it on himself. He just hoards and hoards and hoards the money.
1: That is a. Oh, hoarding money or things?
0: Hoarding money, but okay. I don't know about things. Yeah, sure,
1: okay. Did you read it? No, no, I was just going to say it's an OCPD thing. Yes, it it's is, that's what I'm saying. Out, but, but to me, but to him, money.
0: money is everything, so yeah. he hoards it. Yeah. Which is also, a, you know, maybe he didn't get anything as a child, so it's like, oh, this is the thing I have, I have to hold on to it, I can't let go of it ever because someone else might take it away from me.
1: Yeah. Because he didn't have anything. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um. So there's that. So, you know. Like having a narcissistic personality disorder can be triggered by childhood trauma, but it's more. I think the fact that he he comes good, I guess, in the end suggests that he's not a narcissist because Mm. one day and one crazy dream would not. Like, make you go, oh, actually, I care about people. I'm going to give money away. So I don't think he meets the criteria for narcissistic personality disorder because, you know, you could show him Tiny Tim, like, collapsed in front of him and you'd still be like, deserved it. You know, he wouldn't wouldn't be that easy to come around to, even in that circumstance. Or he would, but it would really be self-serving.
1: So you're saying it's not fixed enough? No. Yeah, okay.
0: And just the, you know, the the transformation you see of him of being like in love and wanting to do something for himself and being having those relationships early on with people and then sort of spiraling into that hoarding sort of behavior and fixation on money. I think it sort of fits the OCD personality. Yeah. Also the narcissism.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So I reckon what, what, what he's probably got OCPD. Yeah. With, I reckon because of the sudden onset, a delirium. Yeah. Mm. Well. All right.
0: What would we prescribe in Michael?
1: Delirium. You just want to. You just need them to chill out. If like, and it will pass. Like treat the treat the cause. So he needs trimethoprim antibiotics for his UTI.
0: <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and I might just And give just him...
1: like chill. You know what time and day it is. Like have a reminder of what time and day it is in his room. Familiar like, faces. <laughs> Quiet environment, watch 51st Dates, <laughs> um, just watch familiar movies, Billy Madison, Pulp Fiction, Milan Rouge,
0: Curly Sue. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that is. <laughs> As a therapist, I would prescribe him, you know, when he's ready cuddles and kisses. Cuddles and kisses and, and, and little smooches on the head. <laughs> no, I would just, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> that was um, a joke. I would prescribe him just some, you know, are you cool? Let's talk about what's going on for you Wait, after this experience you had. Where do you see yourself? How can you like make sure you're still eating and drinking and sleeping and all those things? But also, do you want to talk about each other? <laughs> do
1: you want to do that? Yeah, I think that this is a lovely way to draw a line under Scrooge's diagnosis. Under
0: Scrooge's sand.
1: What then... This is from the New York Times. Mm-hmm. What then of Scrooge's miraculous transformation from stingy, miserable wretch to the embodiment of giving and generosity? No disease can account for that. <gasps> Perhaps that is the true miracle of the story and maybe the real meaning of Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> It's, kind of, it's, it's true though. Like, I just
0: vomited a little bit <laughs> in my mouth. <laughs> it's, it's true. Let's move on to Tiny Tim. Yeah. Michael, from your medical perspective, what did Tiny Tim have?
1: Tiny Tim's a bit harder than Scrooge because, well,. I don't know, it's more speculative but with less evidence. Yeah, because
0: they don't really say much in the book-slash-movie about what ails him. So all we know is that he uses a crutch.
1: Yeah, and he's um, of smaller stature.
0: And in some iterations he's got, like, a leg brace.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Like Mad Max.
0: Yeah, except less... Like a worse depiction of disability, somehow.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Again, a lot of doctors... Probably on holiday, have spent some time looking into this. <laughs> <laughs> just... There, there are literal, there are actual papers about yeah, this. I've seen in, in legitimate journals.
0: Those doctors need to just like be with their family <laughs> know, on the holidays and just stop thinking about medicine <laughs> for one second. Yeah,
1: a couple of things crop up. Some I feel are more reasonable than others. There's one kind of more famous paper, I guess, that um, Roxanne Nelson talks about, I think, in mm, read that one. the Herald or something. Some doctor spoke to like a bunch of physicians, and the renal physicians suggested that Tiny Tim had a thing called renal tubular acidosis, mm. which is uh, like a rare genetic d- disorder. I'd never heard of it, which causes a buildup of acid. Which leads to osteomalacia, which is kind of like weakness of bones, Mm
0: -hmm. which
1: typically affects one side more than the other. Okay, that would Um, explain. Which would explain why he's got one crutch and one leg brace in some Mm -hmm. stories. And that, plus the fact that any kid who was sick was assumed to have TB in those days, Mm. and they thought that TB was caused by a buildup of acid. So they treated them with alkaline substances like sodium bicarb and stuff. The- well, theoretically, a-, a lot of the diagnosis hangs on the fact that Tiny Tim doesn't die. Yeah. So a lot of people are like, well, then they obviously had a treatment for it. Okay. Which I don't think is necessarily true. I think there's a- there's every reason to expect that he has something that just got better by itself. Yeah. So they're saying he's got this rare disease... Makes your body more acidic. He's being treated for TB in a way that makes it more alkaline. Therefore, he's got this renal tubular acidosis. Okay. That's the argument.
0: But just because he doesn't die doesn't mean that like he's like recovered. It could be a disease that doesn't go away, but that he, because of given money and resources, he can live with it. Yeah, So I it agree. doesn't necessarily mean...
1: I, I, I don't...
0: skew it or fixed. No, and yeah. also it's a, a day.
1: We haven't seen him for <laughs> long enough to know if he's actually better.
0: Well, we know that he doesn't die next Christmas. Do we? Yeah. Ah. Mm.
1: Nice. Mm. Still a year. Yeah. Anyway, in my opinion, this is what an American doctor would call a zebra. <laughs> when there's that? That's when you diagnose something weird and exotic when something common is probably more likely. Mm-hmm. It's like you see a, a horse-like thing, and you, think you it's assume a it's a horse, not a zebra. Yeah. <laughs> That's a sensible thing to assume. Yeah. So a lot of what I read was like, looked at sort of the epidemiology of, uh, like, uh, of um, what was around at the time. Mm-hmm. And like 50% of people had TB and 60% of people had rickets, which is vitamin D deficiency most Mm -hmm. of the time so it's quite likely that he had yeah rickets which is like not enough vitamin d leads to your bones being kind of soft and shit
0: Mm -hmm. which i assume a lot of people would have had that time
1: yeah yeah so like they didn't eat well it was super smoggy so you didn't get enough sunlight Mm -hmm. those sorts of things yeah and yeah tb This is something I didn't know until I started med school. I always thought TB was just a lung infection, but it can really... It's quite a fucked up disease that can really affect anywhere in your body. Really? Yeah, yeah. Mm. I saw somebody with, like, scrotal TB.
0: Oh, shit.
1: Yeah, like, it goes everywhere. So it's possible that he had bone tuberculosis. Mm -hmm. Potts disease, which is, like, spinal tuberculosis. Oh, right. And that's why he needed the crutch. Mm -hmm. And... TB is sort of very chronic, it leads to weight loss and that sort of thing, and mm-hmm. it's a really slow-growing bacteria, so it lasts for a really long time, so mm-hmm. it would probably, you know, he probably got it when he was younger and it stopped his growth and development because yeah. his body was, yeah, fighting it. Yeah, so I kind of agree with the conclusion that he probably had something like rickets and probably had TB.
0: Like, at the same time? Yeah, I reckon. mm
1: and the fact, like this whole issue of whether or not it's cured, yeah, like having a little bit of money injected, better, vi- better bit of, food,
0: bit of vitamin D,
1: bit of vitamin dollar <laughs> dollar bills. <laughs> ah, uh, no, they have pounds in England. Yeah, so you could totally. He probably could have lived with TB, mm-hmm. just yeah. with some better yeah, nutrition. Totally. Yeah. Anyway, that that's my thoughts on Tiny Tim. Did you have any thoughts?
0: I read like the same set of articles that said the same sort of stuff so and I'm not a doctor so I agree and like it seems more likely that it's one of those things based on the time than say polio or cerebral palsy etc but there's nothing to say it wasn't one of those things well
1: cerebral palsy wouldn't Kill him, yeah. Polio. I don't know much about polio because it's like well, it's pretty much eradicated. Yeah, Yeah.
0: but it would have been common around then. Yeah, totally. Um, but but I think he probably, if he got polio, then he probably would have died before then. Yeah, sure. At that time, because there wasn't any treatment. But oh so polio, you develop paralysis, which I don't think he had. Like he didn't. It wasn't paralyzed. He Mm. just had tough
1: bones. Tough bones. Tough bones. Shall we discuss stereotypes? Let's
0: talk about the myriad of stereotypes.
1: It's really like set up a lot of ways that we see the world, not just when it comes to Christmas. It's
0: had such an impact on the world, this movie. It has had a huge (laughs) impact. Muppet's
1: Christmas Carol, 1992. (laughs) Specifically the Muppet's Christmas (laughs)
0: Carol. It invented my Christmas, Michael. And how I saw disability and <laughs> <myseliness>. <laughs> Um
1: Okay. you have the floor.
0: Look, I recorded a TikTok today which summarises all the terrible stereotypes specifically about Tiny Tim. I know we're jumping around. Let's talk about Tiny Tim first because it's yeah, the worst. Definitely. It's the worst stereotypes.
1: Well, Um, now let's just
0: present them. We're not
1: making any judgment on helpful or harmful just yet.
0: Just yet, but I think you can figure it out (laughs) pretty easily. Like, just looking at the Wikipedia entry for the creation of A Christmas Carol, it's very clear that Tiny Tim is not written to be a character in his own right. He is supposed to be a mechanism for Scrooge to be a better person, Mm. and solely that And apparently there's two other figures who are children in poverty um, that aren't in Muppet's Christmas Carol called Want and Ignorance, which are like supposed to be these really emancipated children that look quite horrifying, which just sounds really ableist. You know, it says the two figures were created to arouse sympathy with readers, as was Tiny Tim. The use of such figures allowed Dickens to present his message of the need for charity without alienating his largely middle class readership. So he wanted people to be, like, kinder, but also not alienate them to be, like, you know, he didn't want to smack them on the head with it because he wanted people to still read his books. Mm. And they were middle class, so he needed to be, like, look at this poor kid. You should care about him. Rather than, you're all fuckheads.
1: (laughs) Oh, well, he's trying not to be, you know, you, 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 you could learn a thing or two about this. You know, he's trying not to be too alienating. He, but he's get, trying to get his message across. His message which
0: well, what, but, but,
1: people but, used to think was a good message. It could,
0: And there could have been a good message at the time. Mm. But maybe a message we don't quite need anymore. No,
1: not 150 years later.
0: So another major trope with Tiny Tim is what they call the holy innocence or sweet innocence trope. Mm. Which is very much a staple of the Victorian era and it is quote-unquote the cripple with the heart of gold who needs to be cared for and looked after also known as the quote-unquote charity cripple so it sort of emphasizes that every child with a disability usually a child very infantilizing is a big victim of their circumstance they'll never survive in the big scary world out there all by themselves Look, they've got such a good-natured temperament. We can't help but want to just cuddle them and take care of them. And look, they teach us so much about ourselves and how to appreciate life that they're just worth keeping around. This was this this is from an article. This aren't my my direct words, but it's really I say this in the TikTok. It's so much that oh, they teach us more than we teach them sort of mentality. Like it's really nice having one of them around because you know, they're there to make us feel good yeah. about ourselves. And and they're so innocent and perfect, and they don't have their own personality. Yeah. And that's true. Like, Tiny Tim doesn't have a character of his own. Mm. He has no development. He has no future beyond making everyone love and, and make he people appreciate kind of, that they aren't him.
1: He says that himself. Mm. Like, he goes to church yep. to remind the churchgoers of. Jesus? So the, quite, the quote is, yeah.
0: and this is what Bob Cratchit says, um, he told me coming home that he hoped the people saw him in the church at the Christmas um, ceremony because he was a cripple and it might be pleasant to them to remember upon Christmas Day who made lame beggars walk and blind men see. Hmm. Which is... I reckon
1: fun. Bob just made
0: that up. It's it's also that stereotype of, like, oh, this young boy is so introspective and so kind and look at the things he thinks about. It's that kind of gifted, um, you know, on a different sort of level or plane. Yeah. Um, special kind of character in, in a spiritual, religious way. Like, he's super, super religious because of his disability. Like
1: Yeah. For the able-bodied person, it's like... Look at the adversity they're going through, you know, mm. and I complain about the stuff that goes wrong in my life, but exactly. that's nothing compared to what Tiny Tim's going through. Yeah. And if, if Tiny Tim's still religious, then I should be 10 times more religious because I haven't been through all that.
0: If Tiny Tim can get up every day and still see the good in the world, then what am I complaining about? Yeah.
1: Yuck. Ugh. Not cool, Charles. Not cool,
0: Charles. Um, it's
1: 2020, Charles. Get with, get the, with program. the program.
0: <laughs> um, there's also the trope of the Cratchit family being what they what a trope is called the noble sacrificer. So they're the caregivers that sacrifice all personal needs and desires in order to provide and care for the disabled kid. And you know, we don't really learn much about well I me mean, at least in the Muppets, apart from Miss Piggy <laughs> being Miss Piggy. Hilarious. Huh um You know we don't hear, really hear much about them except that they're struggling and they care a lot about their disabled son.
1: Yeah, and it places Tiny Tim as a, a, re- a resource drain. Yes, not just on them but on society, really.
0: It also they're they're also there to make Scrooge feel sad for them as yeah. well and feel pity for the family. Yeah, and guilty. Mm. Um, and the fact that...
1: Yeah, you should read the article um, by Derek Newman style.
0: Yeah, very, very, very good article. Um, but I'll just quickly go through the others. Tiny Tim just, just meets all of the tropes.
1: And was the progenitor of a lot of, of them. Oh, it, my it God, seems. yeah. It was yeah. like the, the, the... Or at least Charles Dickens was reflecting something back yeah, yeah, that he'd that, seen. That he had, yeah. Or believed.
0: So, at least in the book, there's that... Um, mentality of the family wanting tiny tim to be up there running with the other kids eventually in heaven no no in real life being cured yeah Yeah, being cured so and it's implied in the book that he is cured because he lives on Mm. um and it's that stereotype again that you know people with disability want to be cured and that they have to overcome their disability in order to like be a good person like be a, a whole person
1: And again, on a societal level, it's like, we want to cure disability. We don't want disability anymore, No, we need to
0: get rid of it, please. Yeah. Um, And it conflates disability equals, like, helplessness, tragedy, nothing good. Yeah. Yeah. And on that note with Bob Cratchit specifically, it's really interesting that he, in this article, because I obviously haven't read A Christmas Carol, but apparently um, in the book he moralises tim's death and disability in you know the timeline where he dies and he's saying you know we shouldn't quarrel amongst ourselves and forget poor tiny tim because he was so patient and mild etc so Mm. it's quite manipulative for bob Cratchit to um try and moralize his death
1: like
0: um you know guilt his kids out of being cranky or whatever because tim wasn't like that so it's like using his death in a manipulative way which is just like
1: it's it's Gross. it's kind of capitalizing on yeah. his disabil- his disability and his death as a result of his disability like Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind Again, of Again, like learning a lesson because of the the disabled person. Yeah,
0: and it's also that, you know, you just appreciate what you have because this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um but a, a really important thing about um Tiny Tim is it really perpetuated Or even maybe started the charity model of disability. Mm. In that disabled people are often used as that inspiration porn. Not just to be like, appreciate what you have. The only um, disability is a bad attitude, sort of bullshit. But also, look at this person. Oh, they're struggling. Give them money.
1: Like when a charity for a given disability uses somebody with that disability as their a person in a way yeah, that's meant to that's elicit meant to... guilt
0: guilt and, and sympathy therefore, that,
1: that's that's the, the scrooge effect the scrooge effect is wealthy w- people making a donation to a charity because they feel bad uh, i don't know the object of that charity
0: exactly so this movie pretty much is charity
1: yeah oh this book which is pretty much charity yeah. yeah and it's also funny like i didn't realize that charity was in in some ways kind of it, it makes sense after all we've spoken about
0: well i mean you know charities have raised lots and lots and lots of money for mm. people with disabilities but what the the message behind that money is like if it's a we'll give you this money because we don't like disability and we want i want to see it so hopefully this money will get rid of it that's mm. a gross message yeah. and an unhelpful bad message yeah and also it's you know, oh, we're not going to care about disability except for this one charity drive or, you know, Christmas appeal. And then we won't think about it for the rest of the year because we've done our bit and that's it. Yeah. Which is not... It doesn't actually help society to be a more inclusive society. It just throws money into organisations. And often those organisations are run by people who aren't disabled. So they're not driven by people with disabilities who will actually are in control of what happens with that money.
1: Yeah. Also, if you need to raise money for a given disability the government should be paying that money. Exactly. We have universal healthcare. Yeah. The government should be footing. We shouldn't
0: have to raise money for disability. It should just be part of our, you know, social model and it should be just factored into the world that we live in. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess this article also just says that disabled people are are still used to this day to target donors, heartstrings and elicit pity and donations Mm. and Often, and, I, and this, you know, and a lot of the disabled activists that I follow on Instagram, they often criticize um, telethons and other charities for objectifying disabled people yeah. in order to create get people to pay money, pretty yeah. much because it works, which is fucked. Yeah, and you know,
1: it's also a bit of a. It's like you know they want money, and they're probably doing good things with the money, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> so they want to do something that works, and it works.
0: It works, but. Um, for those people that don't think too hard about it and just want to feel guilty and throw money at it. And it's yeah. like fine, throw your money at it. Yeah. But the person who it's objectifying and the message that it's portraying and the this tropes that it, and stereotypes that it continues to perpetuate, is it worth it? Nah. Mm. None. Nah. Mm. Yeah. No. Nah. And yeah, I mean this has been happening ever since pretty much.
1: I mean I'm sure I, I don't know, but I'm sure it was Guy. I'm I'm sure that he saw this sort of stuff.
0: I don't think Charles, I was going to say Dals again. <laughs> meant, I I genuinely think he was coming from a from a genuine good place, and yeah, at the time he probably needed this kind of message to because it was such a um fucked up world at the time. But it's but what like society his... does with that message that is
1: the problem. I don't think Charles Dickens is the problem. I mean, I've been trying to say that for years. <laughs> um, but I am think... I the drama? <laughs> I think that. These are just sort of just from my upbringing, I guess. They're Christian values.
0: Mm, they are Christian values. Dis- but it's disa- from that mis- missionary type value. Yeah, yeah. Of the white savior.
1: It's not like Charles invented that stuff. No. Yeah.
0: But he put it into a novel that influenced the world, essentially
1: the Western world.
0: The Western world let's put a pin on stereotypes for Tiny Tim because we'll talk about whether it's helpful or harmful later. I wonder if you think what it is.
1: (laughs) Um,
0: Should we talk about Scrooge?
1: Yeah if you want to talk stereotypes the miser Mm. is a stereotype and I'd be semi-confident in saying that Scrooge was the 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 original miser. Yeah probably not but like yeah.
0: I'm sure there were misers before him penny-pinching man. But when you think of a Scro- Scrooge is now an adjective Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah And I think maybe there's a stereotype Like if we sort of accept that Maybe he had an obsessive compulsive personality disorder Or we, we we know that he had kind of a prejudicial upbringing mm. Is it a stereotype that, you know People have been raised wrong And people with personality disorders are assholes Like is that Yeah yeah, I, I think I think he hits that. <laughs> and I
0: think I feel that people who have gone through those childhoods, who have been misunderstood, may have been painted in that brush a little bit. But mm. I don't think people think that deeply into Scrooge. Yeah. Um, But there definitely is a stereotype that if that's the upbringing you have, and you're a more complicated person as a result of that, or maybe don't fit in quite well with everybody else, that you're an unpleasant person. Mm. Um, he is an unpleasant person, though. He is. <laughs> um, not to say that he just doesn't quite fit in. He's a, he's a dick. But just because you have trauma doesn't mean you're a dick.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Mm. Also, the stereotype that if someone's a bad person, and, you know, it's not this this book or movie that has done this, but if you're a bad person, all you need is a is a really vivid, intense dream and tiny <laughs> yeah. Tim. And it'll pull you out of your, your bad ways. Yeah. you fixed. Yeah. Yeah. What you need is lots and lots and lots of therapy.
1: (laughs) Do you know, I looked into this a little bit and I couldn't find anything all that definitive. Like, how does personality change work? And is... It doesn't, though. It doesn't happen, does it?
0: Not a personality disorder. Not a whole
1: personality. Like, you can change some behaviours and workarounds. I, I, I remember hearing a metaphor about personality being kind of like trunk and then branches and then like leaves.
0: Just like inside out, which we do need to cover. Yeah. You've got your islands of personality.
1: Yeah, over right. There. Well it's easy to change the leaves a little bit, like yeah. change some superficial behaviours. But yeah, the the core structure of your personality is fairly fixed after a certain age. Yeah. Which I think is like in your twenties or something.
0: And that's that's also a very inclusive way of looking at it, is you you know it's very hard to change who you are as a a core person but what we can do is manage the parts of our life where our traits fit well and don't fit well i guess and adapt our behavior around that accordingly
1: yeah like um rather
0: than try and change our traits
1: yeah yeah that makes sense and that's kind of what
0: psychology does it doesn't try to change who you are it's it's to manage who you are
1: (laughs) yeah like, it's, it's really good sweet. for me to wash my hands really carefully at the hospital.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Bit of a pain in the ass when I do it at home.
0: But, I mean, we live in Adept. a time of COVID, so just do it the same way, Michael. This is not a good example.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's such a stereotype of turning over a new leaf after, like, an episode of delirium. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, that's just kind of potentially works. gives credence it's to the brain. mania theory.
0: Yeah, that's true. Or, like, a... a an actual um, a, a stroke, stroke or a dementia or, or something, brain injury yeah. of some kind. Yeah.
1: Um, another thing, kind of on the sort of on the flip side, I guess. I thought that they in the Muppets at least were trying to make this point, like, oh, he had a beautiful romance with Belle, Bella, Bell. Belle, and it all went wrong, and that's that's that, what that was him up. what fucked him up, and I don't know how much. Uh, again, I don't think that a failed romance, like, it's not good. And it affects you. But, but don't is blame it really a fucking woman
0: at... for it. <laughs> yeah. And,
1: and is it really going to cause you 60 odd years of nah. fucked up personality?
0: Yeah, exactly. That's that's how, I don't know about the novel, but it's definitely how the movie sort of portrays it. Like, oh, he was lonely at Christmas. Mm. Oh, but then Belle broke his heart. Oh. But like, when you actually read, you know, my psychologist brain reads into it and goes, oh, he had a fucked up childhood yeah that's what and then Belle was maybe a trigger for that sense of abandonment mm. and you know it's just one of many things yeah yeah. Mm. but of course let's blame a woman <laughs> the one woman in the film besides um Fred's wife Miss Piggy which seems really cool and Miss Piggy Miss
1: Piggy is bad bitch bu- ba- boss, love boss Miss Piggy. yeah
0: oh one thing I need to say about Scrooge which I find a weird Thing, but also a common stereotype of like a rich white savior coming in to save the pitiful marginalized character mm. is like he becomes another father to tiny tim why
1: he's like got he a becomes a...
0: a second father like, like
1: he got gu- guided guides him
0: yeah but why does scrooge need to guide tiny tim bob Cratchit's well, a there's... perfectly fine father why does he need another one
1: and there's nothing to suggest that whatever illness or whatever Tiny Tim has, has any effect on his cognition.
0: And Scrooge doesn't have... He's not a doctor. He's not an expert yeah. in his condition. He's just a finance man. He's just a dude, yeah. You can just but give him know, some money.
1: Everyone needs... You know, you can have more than one mentor. But, like,
0: he doesn't even no scrooge yeah. tiny tim's like who's this fucker who's just <laughs> hanging around all the time like why would he even care about him you know maybe tiny tim doesn't necessarily need two dads or want two dads like, yeah it's like actually but scrooge, having two dads is okay oh yeah but like what about miss piggy she didn't ask for this you know, what does Piggy's she think bit about f- all this a
1: bit, bit flippant
0: miss don't you fucking say a bad <laughs> word about miss piggy mate yeah, it's like Scrooge needs Tiny he's he's chosen to take Tiny Tim under his ring to like keep him good. That's yeah. that's how I interpret it as. Like yeah, I need sense. to remind yeah. myself of why I do this so I'll have Tiny Tim around me all the like time. Like as
1: a talisman, like yeah. a memento mori, like exactly. Yeah. That's just disgusting do it to for me. Her. Yeah. <laughs> do it for her. <laughs> You want to climb down off your high horse going after poor Scrooge. We'll talk talk about the next section.
0: All right, let's do it. Are you ready? Except I'm never getting off this high horse. It's very <laughs> high. Was this movie helpful in any way? Or this it's really book? tough.
1: Well... Because I think it's... I think it was kind of like helpful in the sense that it got the ball rolling mm. in some ways. Like maybe it paved the way for some acknowledgement of people... With disabilities and and charity and generosity. Like, they're good values. Mm. And it sounds like this book really caused a lot of people to stop and think, oh, maybe I should be more generous. Yeah. And so I think it's probably done a lot of good in that sense. Maybe it's, like, kind of a shit way of going about it, but it's, like, it just got things going. And now we're yeah. refining.
0: Yeah. I think for its time, you really can't say... That it was harmful because I think at the time no one gave a flying fuck. Yeah. Like what I read just in like Wikipedia was how much it influenced people's lives back then to take a breath and think, oh, maybe I should be more charitable Mm. and care a little bit more. So it did. It did. Make people go from fuck all y'all to here. I'll give you some money. Yeah. <laughs> so and you know there's lots of accounts, but uh, there was prof- professor of English literature Ruth Glancy that states that the largest Im- impact of a Christmas Carol was the influence felt by individual readers. And the 1844 Gentleman's Magazine attributed a rise of chari- charitable giving in Britain to the novella.
1: That was a really good uh, issue. Of the Gentleman's Magazine. You've read it, yeah. yeah, yeah, cover
0: to cover. And you know they used Tiny Tim in a gross way. Like, apparently, the Queen of Norway, Maude of Wales, sent gifts to London's crippled children, signed with Tiny Tim's love.
1: So <laughs> you know great.
0: it was done in a gross way, but kids but still, like, got money. They got gifts. <laughs> and you know the fact that Tim doesn't die because of money is like a legit microcosm of the world.
1: Totally, yeah. The
0: economic disparity of the world. And if we share the money around equally, then people will be better off in general. And, you know, a lot of the wellness industry will tell you that health equals wealth, but actually wealth equals health. The richer you are, the more likely you will be healthier. Because when you have access to resources, then your health... Generally is better. So unfortunately though, you know, America still doesn't have universal healthcare because people don't believe that, yeah. etc. We're still it, struggling with that in this world.
1: And like, this was the time of when we were figuring out public health and in public health, they talk a lot about the social determinants of health, mm-hmm. which is things like poverty, access to education mm-hmm. and access to exercise, yeah. fucking parks and walking and shit like that. Yeah. You know, I would argue that Clean it's...
0: Clean water.
1: Yeah. I would argue that it's helpful that, yeah, Charles Dickens made that point. Mm. That, yeah, having yeah. access to money makes Means you more well.
0: a sick boy doesn't die. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, and it's true. Money equals nutrition equals less crowded living. <sighs> like, the, those those two things alone will help your TB.
0: Yeah, sanitation. Mm. Which I think was the point he wanted to make with the book, and he succeeded. Yeah. And I think another point he wanted to make was that Christmas isn't so much about religion and celebrating the birth of Jesus as it is about family and being together and generosity and sharing love, which makes it less consumeristic in a way. But which I'm sure it wasn't consumerist
1: at that time. But it it kind of made it more
0: consumerist. To be honest. Well,
1: yeah, like we equate generosity with giving gifts now, but that's because of fucking Coca Cola. (laughs) <laughs> and like the coke santa and shit right?
0: yeah santa wasn't around then yeah as far as i was aware
1: We d- no there was just the weird ghost girl and the huge <laughs> man that dies every day and, and the grim
0: death. Reaper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i also like that it's not like a religious message as well yeah i think yeah. that's a helpful way to portray christmas in the way that i see christmas as a very not religious person yeah and it sort of justifies why we still celebrate it even though we aren't yeah <laughs> yeah business.
1: yeah all right well i guess then it's settled it's helpful
0: yeah that's the end oh bye everyone merry christmas wait a god second god bless
1: us everyone beep, beep,
0: beep. i don't know why i'm beeping
1: was that you hanging up the phone on me or
0: something? <laughs> no it's me beeping my car like wait wait don't go <laughs> okay we have more to say beep, beep 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 all
1: right go on how's it harmful it's
0: very harmful <laughs> yeah. these days and also you know outside of the industrial revolution of London, it's full-on disability inspiration porn. We don't need Tiny Tim anymore to tug at heartstrings. As I said, the charity model means that disabled people are a problem that we need to sort of eradicate or solve rather than accommodate. And that is still a model that exists in the world today. Mm. I'm glad that it did so much good at the time, but can we not? Like, it's always screened. BBC does... Versions after versions of A Christmas Carol, it's always... um, There's lots of musicals and performances done. Can we just, like, simmer it down? Can we
1: make a version that maybe retains some of the story, but Tiny Tim is treated properly? Like, Tiny Tim has more self-determination and... You know, they, cons- they the consult end. with him. Like, what do you need? Like, you know, I'm, I suddenly learned- I'm generous. What should I do with my money? And Tiny Tim's like, you know what? Can you build
0: a fucking ramp? You can't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I can get from A to B. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and maybe when, like, at the end where Scrooge pops him up on his shoulder and goes around the town, he's like, now fucking hell, you stink. Like, why am I getting on you? You've just got out of bed and I don't even know you. Yeah.
1: And, like, instead of God bless us, everyone, he's like, I'm just, I'm like a young boy. I just want to go upstairs and masturbate. (laughs) All right. Yeah, I think we've, we've covered how harmful that trope (laughs) is and all those tropes. Yeah.
0: Um, Anything else about Scrooge?
1: I think, uh, I I, I mean, I think some of that stuff about turning over a new leaf is kind of harmful because it um, oversimplifies the process of change.
0: And it also is like, oh, I'm different now, so all the stuff I did before doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, Which true. he doesn't explicitly say, at least in the movie, but Are I you think...
1: you l- listening, Tyler, the creator?
0: Are you going to apologise for all the shit you said before you became a really cool dude and I love you? <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it's sort of like, if I just become a new person, then, you know, the old me, I don't have to deal with all the responsibility of all the things I did and said. Yeah, mm.
1: I think that's harmful.
0: Also, the fact that, you know, his transformation aside, the way he is, I feel like, is a very inherent personality trait. And he treats everybody very appallingly and, like, abusively, let's be honest. He's pretty awful to his nephew. He's awful to everybody. Hmm. And anyone who's in a relationship with someone like that, after, you know, discovering a Christmas carol in their 30s, like, no. But, you
1: know. (laughs) I just watched this movie. It's called The Muppets Christmas Carol. (laughs)
0: But, you know, they might see that, you know, message of Scrooge and go, you know, maybe if I just drug them, (laughs) they (laughs) have a really great, great dream, maybe they'll become lovable and they'll treat me nicely.
1: i I give them a UTI.
0: (laughs) But it's, you know, it's also that I'll just love them. To become good again, you know, they just need some high stakes or some inspiration, and then they'll be the person that I want them to be, and, the, and I'll melt their cold heart. Mm. And that's just like it's just not a helpful message for anyone, like in that sort of DV sort of situation. Mm. You can, It's unlikely that this sort of thing would happen. Yeah, yeah. Well,
1: that's that's harmful.
0: It's pretty harmful. Like
1: that's a sc- that's scary, <laughs>
0: scary harmful. But yeah. there's so many movies, like you know, in different circumstances where you know she's in love with the guy who treats her badly, and then they. They they fall in love and he's nice again. Like that just doesn't Beauty happen. Beauty and the Beast. Oh my god! Don't even get me fucking started. But I'll piss off a lot of TikTokers. If I do.
1: <laughs> do you guys know Steph's getting bullied on TikTok?
0: I've deleted all the comments. It's fine.
1: <laughs> so
0: I've already mentioned it on the podcast. Well, should we give our final scores, Mister Christmas Christmas Kringle? <laughs> <laughs>
1: As... Lived experience.
0: <laughs> I mean, I think he gets a point because does <laughs> chickens at the time. So yeah.
1: Well. It he... was. Yeah. He, was, he had.
0: He was trying to write from his lived experience. Yeah,
1: but he was also kind of just like colonizing the experiences of others.
0: That's absolutely and, true. Yeah,
1: That's like absolutely true. Monetizing. But like, what really? else
0: did he have to write about? All the kids had TB.
1: <laughs> yeah. True. But
0: all the. All it's the not rich really, men it's not his lived
1: experience, except that he history. did have a shit childhood, well, which would, would, would explain, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I give it a point. Yeah, sure. Michael Caine sounds like a pretty cooked dude, so.
0: But he was only 16 years old. <laughs> Accuracy?
1: I don't know. We can't really yeah. give a point for that because we don't know. Maybe one day, you know, we'll, be, we'll there'll be an, an archaeologist digging under the, uh, the birthplace <laughs> of Tim's. and no, the, of the birth the birthplace of Charles Dickens, Dickens and they'll find a diary and he's like, "Tiny Tim had <laughs> renal, <laughs> renal <laughs> 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 It just
0: starts with R and then he dies. Yeah. Go, is it Rickett? Is it renal? <laughs> renal tuberculosis. Which one? Which
1: one? Yeah. Rosacea. <laughs> yeah, it's probably rosacea.
0: Um, stereotypes. Oh, no points, thanks.
1: I mean it kind of invented the stereotypes. Yeah, which
0: means it gets a big fat zero points, <laughs> yeah, thank you. Fair enough. And helpful or harmful? I think it's I think it's negated. I think it gets half a point because it was helpful it, it, at it's, the time. Yeah, but, it's, it's, but, it's but it's harmful, harmful to yeah. us now.
1: Like its utility now is zero. It's harmful now. That's what we have to go on.
0: So it gets one and a half points. Merry Christmas, Christmas carols.
1: <laughs> ho ho ho. ho, ho Ha
0: la la la. Should we get some med into you? Oh I love a bit of Christmas poet.
1: <laughs> Alright guys, thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to smash that Patreon button. Smash
0: that subscribe button, everybody.
1: And send Steph a mean comment on TikTok for no, her no,
0: no, Please don't. Actually, you know what you could do for my Christmas present? is rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts because that would be brilliant.
1: We'd love that. Tell
0: your friends. Tell your friends. Um, We're going to take a little a little hiatus for the next month because I need a bloody break.
1: You don't know how hard this is <laughs> <laughs> on Steph. It's
0: very fun. I love it. Um, but yeah, I need a little bit of a break and we're also doing a bit of, of catching up with family. So we will see you in February with... With some brand new eppies.
1: What's the next ep? Do you want to give a, uh, give a clue?
0: I think we've give got some topics we need to cover. One is absolutely bipolar disorder. Yeah. Borderline disorder is another one. Yeah. Uh, sorry, borderline personality disorder. And it was something else.
1: Adjustment disorder.
0: Everyone's got that. <laughs> That's every movie in the world. <laughs> and we will definitely cover succession at some point. Yeah. Um, and yeah, next year, if you're interested in being on the podcast you like having a chat or you are a bit of a speaker and you have some lived experience of some kind and there's a movie that you're really interested in and you think i'd be keen i'd love to collaborate mm. and i know michael would too um but maybe three speakers is too much i don't know what do you think it's been done. three's a crowd three's a crowd so it'd probably but just be me guys
1: happy to join if you want
0: or i just kick you out again
1: That's yeah fine
0: Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Thank you very much for listening.
1: Thanks for listening, guys. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho. Good night. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Ponsai. God bless us,
0: everyone.
1: The the funeral mates of my podcast funeral will be served cold at Maz's. (laughs) podcast wedding Macbeth
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's going at the end